It's time to dig in and discuss the questions on the minds of today's leaders. You are listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. This is where we get vulnerable, raw, and authentic about the stuff that really matters. Now, here is your host, Kathleen Reeson. Welcome to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. And today, we are talking about improving your decision-making skills. Improving your decision-making skills. I'm super excited about this show because I know that I can always improve my decision-making skills. And so as I thought about where we got to go with this show today, what, what I got to teach, what I got to bring up, and where I got to go in order to deliver this information to you, it was it's a great reminder of why this is so important. And so I, what I want to start today is really understanding the dynamic of how we work. So we start out as employees. Uh, or, or maybe you're on a different path, but, but generally we start out as employees. And in that case, we are told, hey, this is what I want you to do. And we're very much in a doing space. We get paid because we show up and we do the work. And then we move into a role of either manager or leader. And sometimes we get these mixed up where we say, well, aren't managers leaders and aren't leaders managers? No, not, not necessarily. A manager is somebody that's going to oversee the doing, but a leader is somebody that's going to lead through all kinds of different change. And so the leaders are where you really get into this, this critical decision-making starts to become a thing. With management, yes, you know, are we, are we making decisions? Sure, but we're making decisions based on a past reference. So let me give you an example. If I said to you, what's two plus two, we'd quickly reference four. If you said to me, what was four plus four, I'd say eight. What's eight plus eight, 16. 16 plus 16, 32. 32 times two, we're gonna have multiplication in here. 64, 64 times two, 128. And I could go on and on and on because I am recalling past information. And I'm saying, based on what I know to be true, based on what I've studied up until now, based on what's been presented to me, here's the answer. So I'm not using a lot of imagination or creativity or even critical decision-making skills. I'm using a reference to the past based on what I know to be true from past experience. I learned that two times two is four, four times two is eight, eight times two is 16 because I study my multiplication tables. So there is a formula, there is a place I can go to get the answer. If I wanna know what 24 plus 24 is, I go to my basic addition tables and I see that it's 48. So there is a formula that I can follow. So management gets us to that where we can recall from past experiences. But then we get into the space of leadership. Leadership is about imagination, turning imagination into ideas, turning desire into ideas, turning new pathways into ideas. And so where most of us are at is in this kind of executive space, okay? So, so we are leading organizations, companies forward, which means we're in a territory, in a place that's never been created before. I know I've said this before on these shows, but I'm going to say it again today. It's a question for you. Who is the most inexperienced person in a company? Think about that. Who is the most inexperienced person in a company? So some people would say, Oh, it's the, the startup employee, the first person right out of school. Well, no, not at all. The most inexperienced person in a company is the CEO in a growing organization because we've never been here. So unless I created this exact same organization somewhere else, this is all new to me. And so everything that I'm being presented with is I have this idea, this vision, and we're going to turn it into action. And it's never been done before. And because it's never been done before, I don't have recall. There is no multiplication table or addition table to go back to to get the answer. 
every single place that I'm going to is somewhere that we haven't been, which is why at this level, critical decision-making is so important. And we're, sometimes we're going to get, we're going to create an answer that's going to work for us. And some of the times we're not. And part of critical decision-making is being okay, knowing that it's not always going to turn out the way we want it, but sometimes it is. And being willing to be wrong. It's okay to be wrong. But when we, when we accept that, when we see that we're not always going to get it right, then we can step through the perfectionist because that's the biggest challenge when we're talking about critical decision-making, how to make decisions quickly. It's knowing that it doesn't really matter how much more information we have. Here's a really interesting point. I actually did a ton of research on this for a presentation I did about two years ago. And we said, if you have more information, do you think it increases your results? It makes them better? They're the same or they're worse. So if you have more information, does that create better results, the same results or worse results? And so I, I'm in this presentation and I'm asking this question. People are raising their hand whether they think it's more information is better results. More information is the same results and more information is the worst results. And it was about a third, a third, a third. A third of the people said more information means greater results. The more information I have, the greater the results, meaning the greater impact, the, the more yeses I get, the, the better I create the result. About a third of the audience said more information means the same results. It has, doesn't have that much impact. And about a third of the audience said more information means worse results. And here's the answer. More information leads to the same results. So once you have as much information, just you get to make these decisions based on what's in front of you. And what happens to us as executives, and listen carefully on this one, what happens is we tend to trick ourselves into thinking, well, if we just had this little piece of information, this new, this more information, then we would make a decision based on that. But it's not in front of us now. And if I get to make a decision in this moment, I get to be okay that the decision that I'm making today in this moment may be different than the decision that I'm going to make 10 minutes from now based on new information. And that's okay too, because I'm making decisions based on what I know now. Think about what happens when the president, I live in the United States, when the president is to send troops off to war. So if somebody, if I, am I in charge of sending troops off to war, I get to make a decision based on this moment. What am I going to create in this moment. Or if I'm in that wartime situation and somebody's got a gun pointed into my head and I've got a gun pointed out, what am I going to do in that moment? And so that's the piece that we hold on to. But if I just had another moment and in these critical points, we don't have another moment. And so we get to realize that the decision that we make in this moment may not be the decision that we're going to make in another moment. And it's okay because we are making the decision based on what we know now. Perfectionism out the door. It's about what we know now. And so that's a critical piece when we are making decisions. Now, I'll tell you another part. A lot of these decisions that we're making, again, sometimes we don't. We don't make decisions that, that really garner the results that we want. In fact, this happens 36% of the time. 36%, which is a pretty, pretty big number. So we waste a lot of money on poor decision making. I'm going to label it as that. I believe if I was going to look at that, I'd say it's a learning experience. But 36% of the time, we get the decisions come now, not, not how we want them. And that's based on a McKinsey survey. So I found that fascinating. And if you want to know how much 
decision making loss you have at your company, it's, it's a really easy formula. You just take your total payroll dollars and then you multiply it by 36% and that's your waste. That is what's happening. That bad amount of those amount of dollars are the challenge, the wasted dollars that are happening because we're making these decisions that aren't effective for our company, or for our organization, or for ourselves. And so the question is, well, how do we shift that? How do we shift that? And this is a global thing. This is not just in an individual company. I actually pulled some statistics again from McKinsey, and it said that as, and this is for the US, right? So don't look at this from a world perspective. We're just gonna look at the US right now. Improper, again, that word's so big, but decision-making that doesn't result in what we wanted is leading to $250 million in waste. $250 million, can you imagine that? And here's what's even more shocking. It's leading to 530,000 days of lost productivity at companies. 530,000, I mean, can you even imagine that? So these numbers are pretty big. And when you look at it on a, on a global scale, that's huge. And then we look at it for our own organizations and say, but how do we actually shift that so that it's not such a big number in my company? How do I make these decisions and teach others around me to make, to make decisions critically and quickly with, with speed and improve accuracy? And I'm here to tell you there's actually a formula that we can learn to, to answer this. That's a four-step formula. And it's one that I learned oh, a few years ago. And I realized I walked through iterations of this, but I hadn't actually looked at it as a four-step formula. And so maybe that's the case for you. Maybe you've been in iterations of this, but you haven't actually walked through it as a four-step formula. So I'm going to walk you through this. And I actually created, I had a lot of people when I first introduced this to them, they said, this is great, but I want to go deeper in it. So I created this, this mini course that digs a little bit deeper into this. If this is something that you're interested in, you can just go to my website. It's KathleenReason.com. You can click on courses, and then it'll be in there for you. So KathleenReason.com courses if you want to know more about this four-step awareness. But we are going to cover it on the show today, so no worries. The first step in this four-step process. So if you've got notes, write this down because this is critical. This statement that I'm going to give you right now is the most disempowering statement that can exist that comes out of your mouth. And here's what it is. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. So think about how many times when somebody says, what do you want for dinner? And you say, I don't know. Where would you like to go on vacation? I don't know. Hey, what do you think about this problem that we're having at work? Hmm, I don't know. What do you think about Jim? Jim's been having a hard time at work. Should we fire him? I don't know. Okay, so all of those statements are disempowering statements because they're, where do you go from I don't know? There's nowhere to go. You get to I don't know and you're stuck. And so it's a very disempowering, but we can add empowerment. What I mean by that is we can be in power when we say this one little word at the end of I don't know. And the word is yet. Yet. So we go from I don't know, which is saying like, well, I don't, I don't have a clue. Why are you looking at me? Why would you want me to have this? Which is reality. Why 36% the waste? This is where we end at a lot of companies. So we'll have that conversation about, hey, you know, Jim's performance is pretty, I'm noticing it's pretty bad. What do you want me to do? Person says, well, I don't know. And then the conversation shuts down. It shuts down. And so that's the problem. That's why we see 36% waste. So 
adding that yet is really powerful. I don't know yet. I don't know yet, which means there is an answer. There is something that I get to know, but I just don't know it yet. It hasn't been brought to my attention yet, but I get to do some digging. I get to figure out what it is because I'm committed to figuring it out. I'd like to figure it out. I know that it's possible, but I don't know yet. If you read my book or have read it or want to read it, it's called Joy and Uncertainty, A Guide to Creative and Meaningful Life. It's on Amazon. You can get it. And what I find in, on page, I think it was page three in the book, it actually says you know everything that you ever need to know. So people come to me. I, I'm an executive coach. I speak. I facilitate. I, and and I, you know, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> so I've been told. And I say that from a humble space. And that people come to me and they want me to solve their problem. And the reality is I don't have the answer. But guess who does? The person that's coming to ask me, they have the answer. And so my job is not to tell them what to do. I'm not a consultant. That's the difference between a consultant and a coach. I'm not a consultant. I'm not going to tell them what to do because guess what? Next time they have a problem, they're going to come to me too. And the next time and the next time. But I can coach them to answer that for themselves, the empowerment space. I can coach them to bring that forward so that they know how to answer. And so the very first step in this is saying, I don't know what I don't know yet. I just don't know it yet. So that is the invitation that I am offering to you in this first step is shift your language and shift the language of the people around you. So be an interrupter to the people that are around you that are saying, I don't know. My kids do this all the time. Not the I don't know yet piece. I am the interrupter to that. I'll say, what do you want for dinner? I don't know. What would you like to do today? I don't know. What book are you reading? I don't know. I mean, it's like this constant, I don't know. And so I get to be the interrupter to say, really? You don't know? And when they get themselves out of this rhythm, because that's what it is. It's just a rhythm. It's the pregnant pause that we don't want to give ourselves. The pregnant pause that we don't want to give ourselves. This is the biggest challenge I see in communication. I listened to this phenomenal speaker the other day. I mean, he's, he is phenomenal. He, his energy, his magnetism, he was spot on, but he didn't take a breath for a second, but he just plowed through his content. And he didn't give himself that second or me as his audience that second to absorb. And so what happens when we don't want to give ourselves that time to absorb, we just use vocal fillers. And I don't know as a vocal filler, which means those words just kind of come out. <laughs> they just come out. It doesn't mean we really don't know. It's that we're not giving our minds this, the pause to be able to really think. We're not giving our, our, my, our mouths the chance to just stop moving, our vocal cords the chance to rest, while our mind can catch up. But when we do that, when we pause, we say, I don't know yet pause, it gives us the chance for our mind to catch up so that we can realize, maybe I do know. Maybe I know where to go to find the answer. Maybe I do know. All right, guys, we are going to go on a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue into step two. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com.
Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email become a host at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to the Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. And today we're talking all about making decisions, decision making, and making them with confidence and with speed. And so this is a highly executive trait, and it's something that we can learn. So that's great news for everyone. It's something that we can learn. I know it's great news for me. And so we're talking about this four-step process. And the good news is these first two steps, the one we just covered, the I don't know what I don't know, and the second one that I'm going to introduce to you in just a second, these are more mindset steps. These are places that I get to think, I get to pause, I get to let my mind catch up with my voice. These are the, that space. As we get into steps three and steps four, those are more doing spaces. Those are where we actually get to put the pencil to the paper or pen to the paper or type, you know, whatever that is for you. This, so those are more of our action steps. And that's how we get to solve problems. And we get to do it quickly. So some of these times when we're exercising these four steps, we're going to walk through this in 10 seconds or one second. That's okay. And sometimes it's going to be days or months or even years. It, it could, depending on the size of the challenge. And so a lot of us, when we get into the executive ranks, the questions and the challenges that are presented to us, some of them can be quick. Okay. And so we get to be in the process of that quick and that speed. The others, since they're bigger, there's still lots of different questions and lots of different points, but we're really making these really big decisions that we get to gather gather data and points over a long period of time. And so just know that this four-step process that we're walking through can be utilized in any one of those situations. So the first one, I don't know what I don't know. Remember, we're switching to I don't know yet. So be an interrupter for yourself and for others. Shift the language and empower them. What do you not know yet? What do you not know yet? The second one is I don't know what I know. And this is admitting to ourselves Remember when I said people come to me and they say, solve my problem, and that's not who I am. I'm not a consultant that's going to solve somebody's problem. So I don't know what I know is understanding and accepting that I actually have the answer or the ability to get the answer. And I don't require someone in front of me to tell it to me. It doesn't mean we can't ask for support. That doesn't mean we can't go dig for information, but it's owning that I don't know what it is that I know. Let's rephrase this. What am I pretending not to know? What a beautiful question. This is getting at the heart of, I actually have the answers. Now look, let's look at this in a concrete way. Okay, so let's just say, same conversation with Jim the employee. And so somebody, a manager comes up and says, I don't know about Jim. Jim's performance is lacking. And, and I start with, oh, I, I don't know. 
but now I've, I've reinvented, I've shifted my language to, I don't know yet. And now I go to this next question of, I don't know what it is that I know, which means I am acknowledging that Jim's performance may or may not be shifting. It may or may not be as solid as where we have set the expectations. We don't know that, but I know what the expectations are. And I know that Jim shows up every day, but what I don't know is how he's showing up. But I know that I could look at that. I could go watch him. I could ask his supervisor. So I don't know what it is that I know. Now I'm starting to understand that, huh, in order to get to my answer of Jim's performance, there are some key questions that I can start to ask. And I know that that information is available to me. I just don't have it at my fingertips right now. But now I'm understanding that there are questions that I could ask to get the information. So now I don't know what I know. I'm, I'm peeling back a layer. This is like an onion. I'm peeling back the layer and I'm saying, huh, I don't know what Jim's performance has been to date. I don't know how Jim is showing up, but I know that I have access to that and I know that I can go dig into it. So now I'm saying, I don't know what it is that I do know. And I'm, I'm realizing that that's pretty free. I could get those answers. Okay, so now let's go look at Jim's performance. Let's go talk to the people that could actually support us in understanding this. So see how we go from a very disempowering situation when this manager says to us, Jim's performance is chocolate. This guy, should we fire him? What should we do? And I say, I don't know. Now I'm in a place of saying, okay, I hear you. So tell me how we're going to solve this. Tell me what questions we could be asking so that we could get to the answer. So I'm having this conversation with the manager because I, I don't know what it is that I know. I don't know. So now I'm saying, all right, so I hear you saying, Jim's manager, Jim's manager, I hear you saying that Jim's performance is lacking. I hear you. So tell me, what do we know about this? What are you seeing? And all of a sudden, Jim's manager says, well, you know, he's not, not showing up all the time. He's you know, whatever that slew of, of, of uh, events that are occurring that makes Jim's manager think that he's a poor performer or he's not showing up as he could, whatever that is, because I'm not the one that's overseeing Jim every day. And so this is the powerful place to be in to where we shifted to, I don't know, I don't know what I don't know, to I don't know what I know and realizing that, hey, we actually do know. So the, so really powerful space to move from one to two. Again, remember I said steps one and two are really mindset spaces. It's really understanding that that answer is out there. We don't have to create it. We don't, we, we're, our job is to ask the questions and be curious, be curious. The opposite of curiosity is judgment, is judgment. I'm gonna tell you about a situation that happened to me just a few days ago. And it was, it, something so simple, yet it meant so much. I realized that sometimes I can be in my phone. I can be consumed by what's going on around me or not even like around me, but through me. I'm, I get a phone call or I want to know what's going on in the world. So I look up the world news. I want to check a text that I got from a friend or send a text to a friend or an email. And I can be consumed in that. 
especially if I'm in an elevator. I said, what a great place. We're all looking at our phones. We don't have to talk to each other. Well, I'm in an elevator a few days ago. And I'm riding this elevator and I decide this is not about my phone. I'm just going to be present with my surroundings, my people around me, whatever that looks like. And I get in the elevator and this lady gets in. And she has a nurse shirt on, this gray shirt. It's a, it's a t-shirt. Okay? So she doesn't look like a nurse, but she has a t-shirt on and it says something about nurses, like nurses are great or something like that. And I think, well, she must be a nurse. She's got this badge on as well. And so I just drew this conclusion. She must be a nurse. So she's got this nurse shirt on or she knows somebody, whatever. And I didn't think too much about it. And I said, hello, how are you? And she starts talking in these incoherent sentences. I can't even tell you what she said. It sounded like babble. And there was a point in my life where I would have judged her, called her crazy, gone back to my phone, not paying attention. And like, okay, bye. And avoided that situation. But there was something about this lady where I thought this just doesn't make sense. And I got really curious. So I don't know what I don't know. I, I don't know what's going on with this lady. She could be crazy, maybe, but we're in an elevator together. So unless she pulls the whole button, then you know, we're, we're going to be okay. <laughs> it's okay. So I don't know what I don't know yet. So I got really curious. And I said, where are, where are you coming from? And she says, never believe it. She says, I came from the NICU. I delivered my baby on Friday. So this is, this is like this is Monday when I was in, this is, this is you know, a week ago. I delivered my baby on Friday and I just spent 12 hours in the hospital. And I quickly did the math and I realized that she delivered the baby. She's probably been released from the hospital at this point and she's back in the NICU with her baby and now she's leaving the hospital. But she says, I, I forgot my phone cord and I, I, gotta, I gotta get back to the NICU and I don't know how to get back there. And I, I just had this major moment like really in my heart where I remember being that lady, 100%. When my youngest son was born, I carried him for 36 weeks in my belly and then I had him very good. My husband was, he, he ended up being there for the birth, but he wasn't going to be there. He was on a plane in Denver and I live in, I, we live in Iowa and he got back, but I was in the hospital before he could get there. And he ended up arriving at 530 in the morning. My son was born around seven. And so he made it, my husband made it for the birth, but the, the kind of lead up party wasn't there. And it was fine. My mom was there. I, I was not isolated by any means, but once he was born, he had a really hard time breathing. And he came out and I just knew there was something off about him. He's my third kid. We, we did this a few times before and I realized something was off and he went into the ICU or NICU. And the few days where he was in the NICU and I was in the room at the hospital, those were challenging, but we were still there. I still had a room. We were still in that moment of this is all new. But the day I left that hospital without my kid in my belly or my hands or a car carrier was one of the hardest days in my life because I carried this child. My, my job was to get this child to be healthy and out into the world. And yet my child's in the NICU. And I remember that feeling of just total dazed and confused and not knowing which side was up. The night, the first night that we were home without 
Andrew. I woke up in the middle of the night. I had to go to the bathroom and I sat in the bathroom and I was shivering so much. My body was just so stressed from everything that we've been through. So stressed. I couldn't stop shaking. And in that moment, when we're riding on the elevator and I see this lady and I hear her talking in incoherent sentences and I hear her story about how she's been in the NICU and she delivered her baby. I remembered what it was like to just be shaking incoherently. And instead of being in judgment of her, instead of saying, I don't know what I don't know, or I don't know what I know, I got to be really curious. I said, where, where do you want to go now? She says, I just, I want to go back to the NICU. And I knew she was on the total other end of the hospital. And this place is pretty confusing. They do not make it easy for a wayfinding. And I said, I hear you. I've been where you are. And we just paused for a moment. And it was this grounding moment. And I said, there was a map in front of us. I said, you're here and you want to be in the East Tower. And the East Tower is all marked in yellow. There's pathways on the, the floor, little arrows, and then there's yellow marks. I said, all you got to do is follow this yellow marks. Just follow it and you'll make all the way back to the NICU. It doesn't say NICU, it says East Tower. It's very confusing, especially when we're not coherent, when we're not in the state of mind to be able to articulate where we are. But it was my honor that day to be able to stop, be with her in that moment, realize that she's not some crazy lady. She's a lady in a moment of challenge. And I've been there, 100% I've been there. I get exactly where she is. And it, it was my honor to just be able to direct her where she's going in not being in judgment. So she gave me this huge gift that day. I don't know if I made an impact on her. I won't, and that's the deal, we'll, we'll never know. We, we never really understand the impact we make on other people. But I know she had an impact on me because she showed me where I've been and where I am now. She showed me that I am resilient. She showed me this incredible gift. And all I gave her was a direction that she could go. And so I say this because when we get out of this judgment space, both of ourselves and of others, and when we get through that, I don't know what I know, and we can accept that we actually have the answers around us that we require. They may come in the words of somebody else. They may come in the stranger in the elevator that we trust to show us where we're going. They may come all around us. But when we get to the space of, I don't know what it is that I really know, that is the space of power. When we're there, we can make decisions quickly and critically because we realize that everyone around us is set up for our success. All right, guys, we're going to go on a quick break. You are listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. I still have two more steps to teach you. And as I promised, these are more of those doing steps. The first two steps are more mindset steps. The next two are doing steps. So enjoy this quick break. We'll be back in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. How wonderful would it be to carry your favorite Inspired Choices Network host with you throughout your day? Well, now you can. Inspired Choices Network now has its very own mobile app. 
Our free app offers live streaming shows, along with thousands of podcasts and TV episodes. Our shows cover a wide variety of topics. Whether you're waking up with us, carrying us through the day, and taking us to bed with you, we're always here for you to enjoy. We're easy to find. Just search for Inspired Choices Network in the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. For the last 30 minutes, we've been talking all about making decisions quickly using this four-step process. So step one and step two are mindset steps. Step one, I don't know what I don't know yet. Adding that word yet, very empowering word. Step two, I don't know what I know. Getting rid of that judgment, meaning curiosity, allowing yourself to understand and accept that we do know or have access to knowing exactly what we require in order to answer questions and challenges quickly. And then we move on to step three, which is I know what I don't know. I know what I don't know. It's getting clarity in saying that I understand what it is that I get to learn. So steps two and three, very closely linked. So step three is creating this bullet point list of what it is that I get to seek answers to. In the case of Jim, so let's tie this all the way through, Jim's manager sitting in front of me and he says, okay, so Jim's performance has been suffering. I wanna know what should we do about Jim? And I'm saying, well, all right, so I hear you saying that. And I'm asking questions about, well, is he showing up on time? Is he coachable? It's one of the questions I always ask okay, when we're looking at employee performance, what I ask of our employees is very simple. Is that one, are you coachable? Like, are you open to coaching? So, so some people aren't, and that, that's okay. It's just they're no longer a fit for our team. And then we get to support them in finding somewhere else that they can be successful. Because that doesn't mean just because they're not open to coaching with us, it means they might be open to coaching for somewhere else. So people aren't bad people. People aren't bad people. They just might be in a situation that isn't supportive for them and for the company. And that's where, that's where we get into a lot of HR challenges. So when you look at it from that perspective of how do I set people up for success, maybe with my company, maybe not, that, that's a really winning attitude. It's a really winning perspective. Win-win. Win for the company, win for the employee. So I know, I don't know what are <laughs> words. I know what I don't know. I know what I don't know. So now I've got Jim's manager sitting in front of me and I'm saying bullet point list. This is what we get to go seek out. Let's figure out what is there something underneath so is he coachable okay is he showing up is this something that's been going on for a, a long period of time so how long has this been going on is this affecting more people than jim have we had a conversation with jim i mean all these questions are are ones that could be answered okay so 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 yes he appears to be open to coaching yes this has been going on for four weeks uh yes he and this affects three other people in his department. And, and so now I'm sitting here saying, okay, so now I've got some data points. Now I've got some data points. And now I can say, ah, I know what I don't know. Those things that I said I didn't know, now I know them. And based on what I've learned, what are we going to do about it? Enter step four. This is the best 
This is my favorite stuff. I know what I know. I know what I know, which means I went through all of the information gathering state. I have it and I'm going to answer. I know what I know. This is the most exciting stuff because now we know Jim's performance reviews. We know that he's open. We know that he, he has some performance that's been affected, but he is coachable. So what do we want to do? The question that was asked was, what do we do about Jim's performance? So if all of this came to me, I would say, well, based on what you're telling me, he's open, he's coachable. Yes, it's affecting other people. It's something that we get to get on. Do we have a performance review set up for him? Do we have a, a, PIP, a performance improvement plan for him? And if the answer is yes, great, cool. How long are we giving him on this performance improvement plan? Or the answer may be, let's put him on a performance improvement plan. Okay, so, so that's just one example. So I, we can think of tons of different examples, but some of them are even, even less concrete. So let's use one of those. So we just walked through a pandemic, all right? That was a situation, well, I'll give you the, the exact situation. So March, 14th, 2020, I was standing in crouching, I was crouching with a paintbrush in my hand in our new martial arts facility, the 7,000 square foot brand new facility that was set to launch on March 16th. I mean, our, we were so excited. We've been working our butts off to get this, this facility up and running. We were going to merge two of our businesses into this new space. We got all these other movements of other businesses going on and we're super excited because guess what? This 7,000 square foot facility gets to debut. This is going to be awesome. We've been through a lot to get to this point. And now all of a sudden, here we are less than 48 hours from opening and the world is in the beginning of a pandemic. We've never, in my lifetime, we've never seen a pandemic. It's not like we can go back to the doctors from 1918, 1919 in the last pandemic and say, well, how'd you handle this? Or the business owners and say, how'd you handle this? Plus it was a whole different strain. This is not the flu. We're not in the flu. We're in COVID. We've never seen COVID. We don't know how this is going to react. And so here we are challenged with how are we going to move this business forward? Now, our governor didn't come out until March 16th, the day that we were set to launch, the build, launch this building, open it up. She didn't come out until that day and say, all businesses need to be shut down. This is 48 hours prior to that. And we're saying, well, hmm, what do we do? And we made it an instant, like it, well, I should say instant. It was about a 10 minute decision. We decided to move all of our operations, not just the one in this building, but every single operation that we had to a virtual environment. 48 hours prior to the governor announcing that that was mandatory. We got heat because we were first movers. So a lot of people said we were overreacting. People were mad. It was the equivalent of hate mail. And people were really frustrated about these decisions that we were making. And then 48 hours later, everybody's there. And so being the first mover, being the one that, go, that really uh, makes these decisions, we get to be willing to the, the consequences that not everybody will see our vision and not everybody will be aligned to it. It was less hate mail, less people really frustrated 40 hours, eight hours later when the rest of the state had caught up and said, hey, by the way, we're all shut down now. But for months, and I literally mean months, we had people that, that own businesses reaching out to us, asking us how we did it. Now, we didn't do everything about this pandemic correctly, I, or, and I say correctly, meaning it's, if I could do it again, how I would do it now. We didn't hit all of that. But the important piece here 
is that we made a decision in 10 minutes about how to move forward. And we said, this decision, we're going to reevaluate it in a week. And then the week became a month and the month became like two months. And it wasn't, it was, it was, so March 14th, we made that decision. We ended up in the beginning of May being in a very, very virtual space with a little bit of physical. So we created a hybrid situation and still most of the business was through virtual. And then we progressed it. We kept putting evaluation points on that. And our, our in-person experiences got larger and larger and larger and larger. And so what we found was that because of a 10 minute decision, because we went and we stuck to what we believe, we walked through this process. I don't know what I don't know yet. In that 10 minutes, we called an orthopedic surgeon that was one of our friends and said, well, what do you think? We moved to the, I don't know what I know. We said, well, what do you think based on what you know? He was the one that gave us the recommendation. I would go to a virtual, figure out how to, how to support that and move forward with the decision next week. We'll figure out where we get to go from there. So we moved to, I don't know what I know. Then we went to, I know what I don't know. What I didn't know was how long of a time period we'd have to sit here. Didn't know that, but guess what? I know that we created evaluation points so that we can figure that out. Were there people that were frustrated? Yes, oh my gosh, you guys, I told you about the beginning, the opening back up, there were even more, even more people that were frustrated. We got notes saying, if not if, when my kid dies, because he's at your facility, it's on you. I mean, don't send your kid. It's okay. Just don't, if, if you're concerned about this, don't send your kid. But at the time, and I can't make this stuff up, that really happened. I can give you lots of other scenarios. We ended up shutting two businesses down during the pandemic. It was unrelated, sort of related to the pandemic, but uh, they were one of them was something that got to be shut down anyway, as far as performance. The other one was a very profitable business but we were in the middle of moving. And I can give you that whole story on that, but we literally got hate mail. I have emails back from that time period where they said, you'd be better off dead. But really, you'd be better off dead. And so again, I'm saying this because not everybody's gonna be okay with the decisions that you make. And guess what? You may not even be okay with the decisions that you make a year from now, six months from now. You may look back and say, I never would've made that decision if I knew what I knew now. And where we get to go is being okay that based on what I knew in that moment, I trusted where I was at and I made the decision based on what I knew at that time. And that doesn't mean that six months now for a year or two years, we would change our decision based on the new information. But remember, new information, more information means the same results, which means that for us to wait another year in order to make a decision, if we would have waited on March 14, 2020 for a year to make the decision, we would have already been through the pandemic. We would have been, <laughs> the business wouldn't have survived. And so would I make the same decisions based on the information I know now? Maybe, maybe not, but that's irrelevant. That's the piece we get to separate. And we tell ourselves, but if we just knew more, but you know what? Our companies, our employees, our managers, our leaders, they want us to make the decision based on what we know now and be okay with it. No second guessing. Second guessing doesn't serve me and it certainly doesn't serve you. So trusting ourselves, 
because we all are powerful leaders. And when we trust ourselves to know that we're making the best decision possible based on what we know now, that's when we increase our speed. Confidence and speed are directly linked. The higher my confidence, the higher I can, I can make these decisions quickly. Now, can you be overconfident? Sure, absolutely. We've all seen those people. It can happen. And there's a balance there too. That comes with wisdom and it comes with time. On your first day of uh, making new decisions or in a new job or on a new path forward, are you going to make some decisions that you would regret later on? I'm chuckling because yes, of course. And it's okay. Because again, based on what we know in that moment, we make the decision then. And then we learn from it. We learn from our results and we move forward. It's a beautiful process. So once we get to, I know what I know, then we make the decision. So how we move through this process from step one to step four, decision happens at step four. As soon as we reach, I know what I know, we make the decision quickly. We don't wait for more information. We just make the decision quickly, knowing that we can always change our minds. It's okay. The only time it's not okay is we're probably talking about a life and death situation. But I don't know about you. I'm not in a lot of true life and death situations. I'm not a neurosurgeon. I'm not a cardiothoracic surgeon. So I, I take it into the medical terms because that's, that's kind of the extreme. If I'm operating on someone's brain and, and I make a, a split second decision and I get to learn from it, the person on the table's dead. Okay, but that's not what most of us are in. So keep in mind that, keep in mind that. We're gonna go on a quick break. And when we get back, we're gonna tie this all together. Yes, this is so exciting because in the end of the show, you will get to make decisions quickly and confidently. And all about you, but that is empowering. That is exciting to me. So I'm inviting you on this journey with me. We've got 10 more minutes of the show. Enjoy this quick break. You're listening to the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. Talk to you in just a second. Are you enjoying the conversations on the Kathleen Reeson Show? Kathleen speaks both in person and virtually at companies, conferences, and retreats all over the world. Learn about booking Kathleen Reeson for your next event at KathleenReeson.com. That's KathleenReeson.com. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. To participate in the program, join our live studio audience in our chat room at InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership here on Inspired Choices Network. We've been talking all today about making decisions quickly and confidently with that speed. And I've introduced to you this four-step process. We know why this is important because it's costing our companies a lot of money. It's taking us a lot of time. We talked about 530,000 lost days based on ineffective decision-making. So we can increase our effectiveness by following this four-step process, but it really starts with being an interrupter to the I don't know language. Just listen around you. Listen to how many times we hear or we ourselves say, I don't know. And my invitation to you is to be the interruption to that. What do you not know? Yet. Yet. Because see that for what it is. It's not that the person that says that, you or someone else, not dumb. It's just like we don't get it. Yet, we don't understand that saying, I don't know, shuts off possibility. It's saying, I don't know and I never will know and don't ask me again because I don't know. Let's move on. 
that's not how we want to show up. That's not how we want to be. And so we can shift that by adding that word yet. But it only happens when we interrupt our brains because remember, we are triggered to say, I don't know. So be that interrupter, be that person that adds that word yet. And it can sound something very similar to you're in a conversation, people are talking, you hear this and you say, yes, yet when they say, I don't know. And what will happen is that person will say, what, what'd you say? I said, oh, you just said, I don't, I don't know. And I just added yet because you could figure it out, couldn't you? And that person will say, what? Because you interrupted their thought pattern. And then you can get into the conversation. Well, I listen to this radio show or this podcast or I watch it on TV and you can talk all about, I don't know yet. Or you could just say, what I learned was adding the word yet is actually an empowering position because you could answer that question. You could know what you want for dinner. You could know where you want to go for vacation. You could know how to support Jim in your company if you add the word yet on the answer to you, I don't know, on the end of that. So that's step one, I don't know. But remember, I don't know what I know is moving you through this process of the acceptance that you actually have all the answers, that they are around you and open to you. And step three is where we get more into that concrete space. That is where we get into the I know what I don't know. And now we're identifying what information we get to seek in order to answer those questions. This is all about human connection. It's all about understanding who around you has the answers, because if it's not you, it is someone else. And it may be something that they don't even realize that they have. But for example, if we're talking about Jim, and we're wondering if Jim is showing up on time, all I have to think about is either Jim, does he, does he fill out a time card? Does he punch a clock? Then I'm gonna, that's a pretty easy metric. Or I just get to show up and watch his patterns for a few days. It doesn't even have to be me. It could be somebody else. But when I observe the patterns, then I can see what's going on. When I observe the patterns, then I can see what's going on. So now we're understanding and I know what I don't know. We're starting to understand these patterns. What's really going on? We're getting the information, which then allows us to move into step four, the final step. I know what I know. And that is the point of decision making. So my ask of you today is to walk through this process, to own it. Remember in the very beginning of the show, what I said to you was that you use pieces of this process all the time. It's something you've naturally done, but when we actually understand the process that we walk through, we can be confident in how we make decisions quickly, okay? Because we can walk through this process. I don't know what I don't know yet. Well, what is it that I don't know? Okay, now we already walked into, I don't know what I know. Then we say, well, what else do I get to gather? What do I get to understand? I know what I don't know. And then I go get that information and then I make the decision because I know what I know. Again, it can happen in an instant. What kind of ice cream do I want? There are 33 flavors. I don't know yet. I look at my choices. I realize there's 33. I realize they have cookie dough and I love cookie dough recall moment. It's something that I've experienced all the time. And oh, it's great. They have taste testers. I get a taste tester, I sample it. Oh, it's really good. I know what I know, I want the cookie. Okay, that is a matter of something that could be that could be solved in two minutes. But as you and I both know, the challenges that we face every day in business and in our lives are usually much more complicated than that. But the same process works. It works everywhere. And that's what's so cool about it. When we drill down and when we understand how we actually walk through this process, how our brain works to make decisions, it's so Cool. I know I might be a bit of a nerd, but I really think it's cool. And so if you guys are enjoying this topic and you want to know more, a couple different ways that you can do this. 
One, go to KathleenReason.com, check out courses. There is a course there where you can actually go and dig into this a little bit more and see how you walk through this process. Practice it. Okay, so that's one way. The other one, I speak on this all the time. This is a topic I just spoke of, joy is a strategic advantage. I hosted my own stage, which is a whole other fun thing to do. I am speaking at a SHRM conference, which is the Society of Human Resource Management. If you have a conference and you want me to speak on this topic, just reach out. This is so fun to talk about because it really shifts how we look at things. It shifts how we answer, how we solve complex problems following this very simple four-step process. And so if you want to speak about it, let me know. I, I, I can't talk. I go on stages all the time and usually the words flow. Most of the time the words flow, except for that little, that little piece there. And if you want to dig in more on your own, reach out to me for coaching. I am happy to support. And especially if you just have any questions, just reach out to me. I'm very easy to get a hold of. It's, my email is Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. Kathleen at KathleenReason.com. It's, it's not that hard. So reach out. I love to hear from people and see what they're learning and where they're at and what their takeaways are, because that is key to how we grow. So one, just reaching out, but two, for me, it gives me an idea of what you're learning and where I get to go next to teach. That's what's so cool, because it's one thing to take the the microphone and speak either up on a stage or in a show format like this. It's another to land a message. It's another to land a message. And so when you reach out and give that feedback, it's a sign for, for us as speakers, not just me, but as speakers to understand where we're landing that message. So something that really hit you, be sure, not just for me, but for anybody that you hear to land that message. So my invitation for you this week is to be the interrupter to the I don't know question. If you took nothing else out of this, know that you're the interrupter for yourself and for others around you. I don't know yet. I don't know yet. So be that. Call that forward. And for yourself, know that you have all the answers. Grab that book, Joy and Uncertainty. Look at page three where it says, I don't have all the answers. Guess who does? You. You. Because at the end of the day, you have everything you require right around you to create exactly what you want. I've been reading the book by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich, beautiful book. And it says the exact same thing. First you desire it, then you create it. And that's what we're talking about today. Desire and create it. Love it. See it. Make it happen. I'm so excited that you joined me today on the Kathleen Reeson Show, Pushing the Boundaries of Leadership. I show up here every single Monday at 10 a.m. Central, and I am so excited that you chose to spend this time with me. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Kathleen Reeson Show, pushing the boundaries of leadership. Kathleen Reeson will return next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 10 a.m. Central, 9 a.m. Mountain, and 8 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Have a great week.